Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 12 called, In His Name, The Nations Will Hope. And now says the Lord who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him. I am honored in the sight of the Lord and my God is my strength. He says, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved ones of Israel? I also will make you a light to the nations so that my salvation, notice, may reach the end of the earth. Now, more could be said, but I want to show you another one. This would be the third of four servant songs. It's just a page over or or so in Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah 50. Notice what it says in the third servant song. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples, Isaiah 50 verse 4, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not disobedient. Some of you are seeing... Uh, the bondservant imagery here, because that's exactly what it is. He's the servant of Yahweh. I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. I gave my back to those who strike me, my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. This is all fulfilled in Jesus's ministry. For the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I am not disgraced. Therefore, I've set my face like flint. That's what he did. He set his face like flint to Jerusalem. And I know that I will not be ashamed. And then let me show you the last most famous one, skipping over to Isaiah 52 and looking at verse 13, leading us into the famous Isaiah 53. It says these words, Behold, look, 52, 13, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told of them they will see, and what they had not heard they will understand. And then it gets into the beautiful uh, prophecy that Jesus fulfills in Isaiah 53. Pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, etc. These are the four servant songs turning back to the Gospel of Matthew, celebrating but prophesying the work of Messiah. This is what he would be like. This is what he would do. This is how he would give up his life for those who need hope and restoration. And that's all of us. Now, we're going to get a little bit more, and we're going to move quickly. We're coming down to the tail end of this. But notice some things about how he gives hope to the nations. Matthew 12, 19. After the quotation, uh, the first part of the quotation, he continues from Isaiah 42. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. This is a way to say that Jesus was not looking for attention and he did not have a megaphone necessarily, but he gathered crowds. Why? Because of who he was, because he was good. So notice it says he won't quarrel in the street. When he moved away from the Pharisees plotting his demise, he did not want to have a shouting match with them. He did not want to get into a debate any more than he needed to, although you, we would say there were times when he puts the Pharisees in their place, and sometimes you're reading your Bible, and you're like, yeah, get them, Lord, right? But 
According to this prophecy, he wasn't about quarreling or unnecessary confrontation. And all God's people said, yeah. Because we should not be about quarreling or unnecessary confrontation. Now, sometimes we have to confront things. And when we do, we need to do it with the Lord's love and truth. But here's what it says in 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been captive, held captive by him to do his will. Isn't it hard sometimes just to want to talk over someone, especially if they're speaking nonsense, right? They're going on and you're like, oh, oh my goodness. Imagine being Jesus, you know everything and people are going on and on. Yeah, and, and Lord, one more thing I'd like to enlighten you about and you're talking to the Lord of the universe. One more thing I'd like to uh, enlighten you about on the Sabbath day, just in case you didn't see this little nuance in the original language. Imagine the patience of Jesus. Next time you have a person going on and on and on, and you want to quarrel. (laughs) Everything in you wants to just say, let me tell you something. I have socks older than you, boy. Right? I got flies bigger than that fly swatter, girl. (laughs) I know you're 12 now and you think you know everything, but, and we want to put people in their place and in our marriages. Oh boy. Oh, here we go. We're not supposed to be quarreling. But sometimes our pride gets the best of us and we quarrel, and we quarrel right in front of our kids until we get in the car to go to church, and they're like, all right, everybody get it together so we can put on the church face. (laughs) Never mind that I just blasted the whole family with a metaphorical machine gun. They're all bleeding, but you need to forgive me because that's what the Bible says. (laughs) Oh, now you're appealing to the Bible, right? The Lord's bondservant must be like his Lord, we are not to have a confrontational attitude. We're not to be prickly people. We're not to have a deflector shield up where no one thinks that they can get within two feet of us lest they be destroyed. We're not to be in shouting matches with the clerk at Home Depot. Yes, I followed some of you this week. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> right? Unnecessary. And then we want to invite the person to church because Jesus is has given us peace and explained how to live? Really? So, again, we need all the mercy we can get because we all fall short, but Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He wasn't trying to put um, additional weights on people's shoulders. And he didn't want to get into meaningless quarrels. You know, some quarrels are necessary, and obviously when Jesus needed to, he put people in their place. But he didn't do it just to do it. And frankly, there are some quarrels that produce absolutely nothing worth fighting for. Nothing. You ever come to the end of a quarrel and felt like you won the fight, but you still lost? Oh, yeah, right there. That's when I gave it to him. Yeah, but she's your wife. Yeah, but still. (laughs) What? You didn't win anything. So what do you do? Well, you might say, 
you humble yourself. And you say, well, how do you humble yourself when it's difficult for you to admit you're wrong or to back down? You know what you do? You humble yourself anyway because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. And humility is an invitation to receive God's grace. Humility is an invitation to receive God's grace. And if you just want to quarrel because you like to quarrel, stop it. Because it doesn't produce anything good. A soft answer, Proverbs 15, 1 says, turns away wrath. And here's what we learn about Messiah. A battered reed, look at verse 20, he will not break off. Now, a reed in the ancient world was used for measuring, so they would take a reed, and almost like a, a ruler. And if a reed was bent, it wasn't much good. It's like if you had a, you know, a tape, uh, a measuring tape, and the thing was tweaked and bent up. It's not, you're not going to measure stuff with it anymore. Uh, they also say that reeds were used to make musical instruments, but they were used for measuring. So imagine if you had a, a bent or a bruised reed, it was beat up, what would you probably do? Now, some of you have pack rat tendencies, and some of you would save it anyway and say, you know, this could be worth something someday. We have counseling set up for you as well. You got that, you know, measuring tape that's got so much rust on it, nobody even knows what it is anymore, and you look at it and it moves on the workbench. That's a sign that you should probably throw it away. Well, some, sometimes people see battered, bruised reeds, and you know what they want to do? They, they just want to throw them away. Well, that's good for nothing anymore. If it can't do its job, if it can't serve as a measuring tape or a musical instrument, well, let's toss it. But Jesus would not break off battered reeds. See, the religious elite of the day said, that person's not even worth your time. That person lying on the side of the road, that person with leprosy, they're under the curse of God. Oh, they were born blind, he's under the curse of God. Oh, Gentiles, they can't go to heaven, they can't inherit the kingdom. And all they had was unjust conclusions and God had a heart for the nations and always has. And it would be to God that the most religious people of all would be the most embracing. And here's Jesus and he says, look, if you're bruised, I'm not gonna throw more bruises on you. If you're laying by the side of the road and you're hurt and you say, I don't think I'm good for anything anymore, he would pick you up. He would stop for you. The woman with the flow of blood for 12 years, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, daughter, be of good cheer. Your, your faith has made you whole. I know every doctor's failed you. I know people have moved away from you because they think you're unclean, but I care about you. This is Messiah. This is the kingdom of God. He, he was bruised. The one who would not bruise or break off a battered reed or a bruised reed was bruised for my transgressions. He was wounded for my iniquities. You see what he did? He exchanged places with us. And what did he have to do to humble himself? Oh, I'd say quite a bit. Like I think it took a little bit more for him than it does for us. Amen? And yet he wouldn't kick you to the curb. He won't kick you when you're down. That's not the heart of Jesus. Here's the second illustration. A smoldering wick, he won't put out. If you have a, a candle at home, and let's say the wick is burned down all the way on the candle, and again, we'll go back to if you have pack rat tendencies, you say, yes, but I could melt this candle down one day for my surfboard. And someone says to you, but you don't surf. And you answer, yeah, but someone might come along that does. <laughs> Right? But what would we do? If the wick burned all the way down, hopefully we'll toss that thing away. What good is a candle with the wick gone? 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. A reminder, if you missed any part of today's program, maybe you just tuned in and you want to know, what is Pastor Michael talking about in that specific situation? Well, you can listen to today's episode and many other episodes of Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. In addition, we also have our new free Walk in Truth app where you can listen every single day and also watch videos. But if you'd like to listen to the Walk in Truth podcast, you'll find it on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app to hear today's teaching and many other teachings in more books of the Bible. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. What good is a candle with the wick gone? Or if it's just smoldering, we might go, hopefully we're not the people that walk along and we see people smoldering wicks and we go, (laughs) that's not Jesus. You know what he did when he saw a smoldering wick? He tried to reinvigorate the flame. When he saw someone who was hopeless and disappointed, in leadership, in spiritual leadership, rather than putting out the wick, rather than snuffing them out, he would extinguish. He wouldn't extinguish their light, but he would reinvigorate their light. He would say, I'm the light of the world. Follow me. Your light will shine again. These are the beautiful things about Messiah. He's not looking to beat you up or snuff you out. Rather, he's looking to lead you to victory. Look at the end of verse uh, 20. In the original prophecy of Isaiah 42, one through four, justice is mentioned four times. Here, he will will do his ministry until he leads justice to victory. I'll tell you what, I am realizing more and more victory in following Messiah, amen? You know, sometimes we, as Christians, we say, I wanna get victory over this. You say, how long have you been wrestling with it? Since 1972. <laughs> like, okay, you could use some victory in this area, but how many areas of your life would you say the Lord has given you victory over? I mean, if, if I invited you guys to come up, I know testimony after testimony would say, I got victory in this area by God's grace. I got victory in this area. I got victory in this area. Amen? I'm not the man I want to be, but I'm not the man I used to be. Praise the Lord. I'm following the train of Messiah, the hope train. And in his name, final verse, the nations or the Gentiles will hope. He is our blessed hope. Isaiah 42, four puts it this way. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. Another version says, in his law, the islands will put their hope. Father, thank you for this servant song about Messiah. Thank you how Matthew weaves it into the gospel story by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for these realities of who our king is. Our king is the fulfillment of prophecy. He is the servant of Yahweh. He came not to be served, but to serve. He he paid the price, sets the tone, and even gives the power to live like this. This should be a cue for our living, for our evangelism, for everything we're about, Lord. And at the times that we fall short, forgive us because we do. And there's been many, many times when we've not measured up to these 
the beauties of who you are, but Lord, we're, we're moving in the right direction. Those of us who are trying to follow you, trying more and more to submit to your lordship, to your lead, you're teaching us what justice is, what hope is, what love looks like, what truth is. Lord, take my life, take my heart and mold it more into your image. Make me more like you. And thank you that I don't have to do this on my own. I can't do it. Thank you for the resources of heaven, for the truth of the Bible that forms and shapes my life so I can become a vessel fit for the master's use. Let us be men and women of justice in the true definition. Let us be men and women of hope and love. Let us be men and women who celebrate the victory Messiah has brought us. Let us be servants. And even as we think about the phrase or the word servant, let us serve. If there's an area of ministry where we have not engaged, we have gifts we're not using, we have a life that right now is just not in service of the king, forgive us, Lord. We want to get in the game. And if our sin is keeping us back, our pride, our whatever it may be, teach us to become more like you. Do you just take a, a Selah moment, a moment to pause, take a deep breath, and let the Lord speak to your heart about who you are in him. He, he took the punishment so you don't have to be under the weight of your sin. He is in the conforming business, so you just need to yield a little bit more. He cares about the nations, so however that would speak to you. And he loves you. Yes, you. So receive that hope afresh if you feel like I'm that battered reed, I'm that wick about to die out. He's not gonna snuff out the flame. He loves you. He was on the planet to save you. He reigns interceding for you. On Wednesday night, we celebrated that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can count on him to be just and true and loving. And it's good to know that he is reliable and unchanging in a world so filled with change and things that seem so shaky at times. Lord, we're so grateful for that reality in our lives. May that give us hope. For those who don't know you yet, I pray they would open their hearts and receive Jesus as their Lord and King, repent of their sin and cry out to you for salvation. I pray for those of us who know you that you just continue to do that work, that faithful work. You never give up on us even when we end up bruised and battered. Just so good. And we're so grateful that we can rely upon you. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. You've been listening to In His Name, The Nations Will Hope, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 through 23. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible.
And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. You know, hope is a very precious commodity. Hope is a special word with special meaning. How is hope found? In his name, the nations will hope. That's what we've been studying. In whose name? In the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our hope. And if hope has been a distant thing from you, my friend, maybe you have stumbled onto this radio station. Maybe it's been a long time since you've heard a sermon, or maybe you never have. And you've heard the word hope, and you're, you're trying to grab for it, and it, it seemingly eludes you. And you, you, maybe you say, where is hope found? I've been trying to find hope in this and that and success and hard work, and all those things are good. But true hope is found in the true God. We have a blessed hope. Titus 2.13 talks about that blessed hope being the appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is great. He is God. He is Savior. He's coming again. We don't know when, but he, his name is synonymous with hope. In fact, he is hope. Without Christ, it's hopeless. It's a hopeless end. But with Christ, we have endless hope. That's what we want you to have, my friend, is hope. And it's not a false hope. It's not, gee, I hope so. You know, in the Bible, the word hope is actually, I know so. It's just a matter of time. It's a bedrock word. It's, it's a word uh, that just is looking forward to when faith is fully realized. One day, my hope will be my eyes. I will, I will look upon him who was pierced for me. You know, we're heading into the weekend, and this would be a wonderful time for you and me. And we're approaching, you know, the Passion Week, Resurrection Sunday. I pray you won't let another one go by where you just check in with God and then go on to your normal life, whatever that looks like. I pray that this year, 2024, you will become a committed, passionate follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be part of a local church. You'll get back to church if you've been away. You'll say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He will be the anchor of my hope. If we can help you in any way, we do weekend services at the church that I serve as senior pastor, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. We're right near the 91 and 15 freeways where they intersect. We're in the northern part of Corona near Norco. And uh, we're right off of, if you're familiar with the area, Lincoln Avenue and River. And where the church is just off a river in a little side street called Arsenal. And on Sunday mornings, we do 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. services and a 1 p.m. Spanish service. We are not a mega church. We're a good-sized, medium-sized church, you might say. It's a, an amazing, loving congregation. If you come to the second service, you might want to get here a little early because that one gets pretty crowded and parking's at a premium. But we are excited to see what the Lord is doing. We are planning. We are in escrow on a new property. We have a lot of exciting things happening. 
with missionaries, radio, growth, property, so many things that the Lord is doing, so many amazing things, humbling things. You want to check it out? You've been looking for a local church. You like what you're hearing? It comes from the pulpit of Living Truth in Corona. You say, Pastor Michael, how do I find out more? Well, why don't you go to walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, walkintruth.com, click on the church tab. You'll find out driving directions, what's available for the kids, what's happening during the week. There's a midweek service, men's and women's studies, marriage ministry, family, so many things. And if you want to plug in, we'd love to have you. I'd love to meet you over the weekend. Walkintruth.com. Click on that church tab. Plan your visit, and we'll see you right here either Sunday or Monday. Have a tremendous weekend. God bless you. May God's grace and peace be with you always. Love you. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 12, 22 through 37, called The Kingdom of God Has Come Upon You. Many healings that Jesus did have uh, maybe no symbolism at all. But this particular healing, like many others, is what scholars would call parabolic or symbolic. What does that mean? Meaning the healing is real, but there's also a deeper picture. There's some symbolism that we need to see. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.